G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Over this past week, you may have been able to take some time to enjoy some of the photos taken by the James Webb Space Telescope. It's described as the most sophisticated and ambitious deep space viewing tool ever assembled. It's delivered the best ever snapshots of deep space, seeing more clearly the innumerable galaxies and causing us to wonder about the vast expanse of the universe. In all of that, Christians are just as in awe of the cosmos and curious about how our biblical account of creation fits with the expanse that's brought to light in the latest photos. Scott Devlin is a geophysicist. He's a speaker and writer for Creation Ministries International. Back with us today, Scott is back to talk through the creationist take on images of the universe. Scott, welcome back to 2020. Good to talk with you again, Neil. Scott, those images from space, how do we think about those, not contradicting the biblical understanding that God created the universe? Yeah, so, I mean, we look at these images and they're very impressive. And as you said, the people have looked at them in awe and wonder, and and Christians and non-Christians alike. These are some of the very beautiful images, and yet they tell us a lot about the distant universe, which is a very interesting thing from a scientific standpoint. Um, one of the things that often gets said is, well, you know, the universe is so large and we're so small, like surely we're not that significant, really. And, you know, the Earth is just very in, in an insignificant place. It's a pale blue dot, as Carl Sagan once set, said, and has been popularized since. And space is so large and we're insignificant. But really, when we read the Bible, we find out there's another uh, reason for space being so large. In Psalm 19, verse 1, it said, the heavens declare the glory of God. And um, so we think, okay, they, they show God's glory, God's majesty. Um, and they're very, it's very, I think one thing that's very interesting to understand when we see these images, I saw someone put a comment um, on Facebook, a Christian, and they said, you know, this is amazing. I almost cried when I saw this image. And, you know, it looks like there's life teeming throughout this place. But really what, what it is, is it's big, hot, giant balls of hydrogen burning. That's what we're seeing. Um, and uh, clusters of them grouped in galaxies. And so it's very simple. It's not complex life like we have here on Earth. Earth is a totally unique place. But what we do see is very beautiful to look at. Um, now, it wouldn't be very intricate if we went and looked at, looked at it closely, but it's very beautiful to look at from our perspective, from where we are. So God's really made this incredible um, universe for us, us to observe. The universe is obviously very, very large. And for some who are thinking about their Christian faith and life on earth and God the creator, they'd be thinking about the vastness of the universe as a threat to our biblical idea of faith. But you've got a different impression. You're saying actually enhances our understanding of God if we get those sorts of images of the universe. Yes. Well, I mean, it shows, I mean, because looking at the science of it and looking into, okay, uh, how are these structures formed? It's just 
fascinating and it fascinates us. And of course, we're exploring God's natural world, what he's made. And I believe that gives him more glory as we start to see the things that he's done. Um, but yeah, I guess the point I'm making is that it, it doesn't, in terms of complexity, uh, it's vastly exceeded by a single cell that we find here on Earth, any kind of structure that you would find in the universe. Um, but, but very beautiful to look at. And, and, and it inspires awe in us when we see how vast it is. And we do realize we are, um, compared to God and his size and majesty, we are, we are small, but we are significant in his eyes. So the scientists who are leading the project, no doubt looking for the origin of the universe, the origin of the stars and the planets. In fact, you're thinking that the more they look, the deeper they'll find uh, that there is a biblical way of finding this explanation. Is it the case that when scientists are looking for these things, the likelihood is they'll actually affirm what we understand about life on Earth? Um, yeah, now it depends. It's a really good question because this depends on the presuppositions that they start with. And so we have a, a from a biblical worldview, we have a very different starting point. We have a supernatural God that created the earth as the center of his attention and put humans as the pinnacle of all creation on that earth. Now, when you start from that starting point and then you look at the natural evidence that you see, you're going to come to a different conclusion than if you start from the starting point. Well, um, it was naturalistic. We've got naturalistic assumptions and everything, uh, and we can wind everything back and start from a natural start. And that's what the Big Bang says. You know, there was this infinitesimal small point uh, which contained all the energy and mass in the universe and that exploded out. Um, and, and that's the Big Bang theory. So that's a very naturalistic cosmology. And so when we look at the distant universe uh, and you're using that naturalistic cosmology, you're going to interpret the evidence. Uh, you're going to have different interpretations when you look at the evidence. Whereas if you have to start uh, from a biblical worldview, then you're going to have different interpretations. Scott, the thought of billions of years, uh, that's contrary to the younger creation story that we're looking at in Genesis as history. How do you describe the thought that because the universe is so huge and the way that light travels across the universe appears to be longer than the thought that Genesis is history and this is where God's creation is at. Yeah, and this is definitely a question that's coming up with these images, specifically because this James Webb Space Telescope is going to look deeper into the universe than any other telescope has before. And now many people will be familiar with the Hubble Space Telescope, and that was a predominantly a visual light telescope. So that means in the visual end of the electromagnetic spectrum, was that was the data that it received. Whereas the James Webb Space Telescope is looking at the infrared, uh, which means it can look further. Because what we find is, there's this, if, if we accept the, relate, the redshift distance relationship, what that means is the more distant galaxies are shifted more to the red end of the electromagnetic spectrum. So much so, as you get very far, the very distant ones are redshifted into the infrared spectrum. And so uh, that's why a lot of people are excited about the James Webb Space Telescope in seeing the most distant objects. Of course, when we start to see these most distant objects, we find out that they're 12 billion light years away or 13 billion light years away. 
And now to emphasize, first of all, that uh, a billion light years or a light year in general, that's not a measure of time, that's a measure of distance. And um, if you use a lot of materialistic assumptions and use certain coordinate systems, then you would say, well, that light took a billion years to get here. But there are many alternative cosmologies and there's many alternative coordinate systems, one of them being that we don't even know the one-way speed of light. So when they proclaim this and they say, you know, this is how the universe looked 13 billion years ago, because essentially you're looking back in time because of the speed of light, there is a number of assumptions behind that statement. And one very fundamental one is that we, we have never measured the one-way speed of light. Now, that might sound a bit counterintuitive, but the two-way speed of light is very easily measurable. But the one-way speed of light, no one has measured. And people have tried to think about a way of measuring it, and it's very difficult. And the issue with is with how do you synchronize the clocks to make the measurement? You need a clock at either end to make the measurement of the one-way speed of light, and they need to be synchronized. Um, but because of some relativity effects, that's actually an impossible thing to do. If we're looking at all of the pictures that are coming back and you've got all of the things that scientists are looking for, the deepest galaxy formations, the furthest bodies in the universe, how much importance is there on the fact that here we are on planet Earth? It's habitable and uh, we know there's a lot of things that all fit together just like pieces in a puzzle that would give us a thought of glory to God. Any thoughts here on the search for outer space, but ignoring what we can see right up close? Yeah, so I guess you're alluding to the exoplanets that we find, so they're planets that um, that orbit other stars. And one of the functions of the James Webb Space Telescope is not only looking at the distant universe, but because of its um, larger mirror and its a focus on the infrared spectrum means that it can also detect uh, the um, the elements that they, you find in the atmospheres of exoplanets. And that's very important to decide on the level of habitability of a planet because at the moment, a number of exoplanets have been found, but we don't know what their atmosphere is like. And so if they have an atmosphere that can like the Earth's atmosphere, then that's one more step towards saying, okay, this is a habitable exoplanet. Um, until now, the main thing astronomers have looked at is how far away the exoplanets are away from that particular star. So viewers might or listeners might be aware that we're in what we call the Goldilocks zone. We're not too close to our sun and we're not too far away from the sun. If we were closer, it would be too hot. And if we're further away, it would be too cold. God's put it in the exact right place. And so uh, a lot of attention has been paid, played, uh, paid to exoplanets that are also in this Goldilocks zone. But that doesn't actually mean that the temperature is going to be okay, because if they have a very thick atmosphere, then it's going to be way too hot. And if they have a very thin atmosphere, it's going to be way too thin. So you can, way too cold, sorry. So you can see that actually the atmosphere of an exoplanet is the next important thing on deciding habitability of exoplanets. So that's why the James Webb is, the James Webb Space Telescope is of great interest for the habitability of exoplanets. And it will be used extensively looking looking at atmospheres of exoplanets. So far, if people, um, the only data that's been released has been on a hot gas giant. So it's kind of like Jupiter, but very close to its star. Um, and that would that has a very thick atmosphere, so it's easy for the James Webb to spot. But of course, that that kind of planet would never be habitable for starters. It doesn't have a 
it doesn't have a solid surface. Um, if you think about Jupiter or Saturn, these planets, you can't even stand on the surface of them. So they're very far from being habitable. So for the Christian who has a biblical understanding of God's creation, uh, you're suggesting that all of the prospective discoveries, and there's going to be lots more that are going to come from the James Webb Space Telescope, that they actually help to inform our perspective as we are as biblical creationists, and uh, almost as though you're anticipating what they're likely to find next. Yeah, well, actually, I've made, we made a number of predictions about what they would find, and look, these predictions weren't too difficult to make. And um, I, I, if, if people look at creation.com and search for James Webb Space Telescope, Telescope, I've wrote three articles, and there's one called What You Need to Know About the James Webb Space Telescope. Myself and a colleague wrote that about six months ago. And some of the predictions we made was that they would see galaxies at greater distances than they'd ever seen before, which is, I mean, kind of obvious in a way because it's an infrared telescope that's going further. But the difficulty for the Big Bang is this, is that in the Big Bang model, you have a period which they call the Dark Ages, where there's no stars. And it's only when reionization occurs, and that's about 400 million years after the proposed Big Bang, um, that's when you get the stars. So they don't expect star, uh, stars and galaxies to be at these very, very great distances. So I think one thing to watch out for, I, I would suggest, is as you start to see these results coming from the James Webb Space Telescope, and they say, look, Here's a galaxy um, that is 13 billion light years away. That, that's not a prediction of the Big Bang. That goes against the Big Bang because the problem is there's not enough time to build up the right amount of mass to build a star or a galaxy from the beginning of the Big Bang. Because they remember how I was saying earlier, they start from an infinitesimal small point And uh, over time, in, in homogeneities within the mass energy of the universe, become stars and universe stars and galaxies. So that's the Big Bang story. So the Big Bang story does not fit with very distant galaxies being observed. And so I think as a Christian, that's what's really exciting about the James Webb Space Telescope. It's going to show us that actually there's galaxies that are too far away for the Big Bang theory. So there's a lot of things to look at, a lot of things to consider, a lot of unanswered questions. But as you're saying, there actually is some contradiction in there, but it actually contradicts the Big Bang theory of origins rather than our Christian creation theory of origins. I'll point listeners to creation.com where they might want to explore some of the articles more deeply. Scott Devlin is a geophysicist, speaker and writer for Creation Ministries International. You can find Scott's articles on creation.com. That's creation.com. Scott, thanks so much for giving us an update today on 2020. No worries, thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.